Thanks for being with us today. I'm excited to be with Pastor David Greco. He's my pastor. This is Adam Levecki. We're going to be asking him some questions just about the millennials and what he sees and, and what he sees about the future of millennials and how that relates to the gospel and what God is uh, asking from us today. So, Pastor David, um, as it relates to millennials, what are you encouraged by that you see in the millennial generation, specifically people who are between the ages of 15 to 35? Uh, uh, many things. Um, I, I have three of them. <laughs> I have three of them, uh, my son and both of my daughters. And um, I, I'm encouraged because I see uh, uh, a genuine heart uh, a heart that longs for reality and for the genuine. Um, that that s- s- saying that means that obviously <clears throat> they're they're very sensitive to anything that is fake or phony. Yeah, um, and that that is encouraging for me. the uh, The other encouraging thing is that uh, they. They have a real heart to to reach out and communicate with others. Um, they're, they're, they don't want to be in in a little bubble and living their lives, you know, uh, in a, in, a, in a, like in an island. <clears throat> but they're like really, they want to communicate. They want to touch people. They want to to um, uh, know. Um, they want to know others. And um, that, those are very encouraging uh, traits for me in this generation because uh, I know my generation, and um, and we, you know, we don't necessarily have those traits. <laughs> but sure. uh, it, it's very encouraging because God can use those 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 um, traits uh, to build the kingdom. And um, I'm encouraged that uh, they th- this generation has a, a, a really good eye to spot um, truth and to spot the genuine a genuine heart. And um, I, I know I know because I, I live with three of them. And uh, they they're always questioning uh, motives, and they're all que- they're questioning why things are done, and and uh, uh, you know ever since they were they were little, they were always questioning why, yeah. why, why. So you're saying they ask a lot of good questions. They do, and, and they look deeper into things. They do. I think the more the world uh, tries to bend and twist and and, and uh, distort the truth, the more. Uh, the people of God who are sincerely after God, yes. the more they hunger and thirst for truth, the yes. more they hunger for reality as it really is, not how, as we present it. And one of the reasons why they want to know truth is because, and the genuine is because they they want to communicate, but they feel that that unless they know the genuine, they can't communicate because the other their other friends are also looking for genuine. Yeah. Uh, truth, and so they feel that sometimes what Christianity has presented is not like yeah. genuine. It's been like 
very religious, very churchy, but not really genuine. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So that's it's um, that's good. What are some challenges that you think that the millennials will face as it relates to pushing the gospel forward, living right, raising families, being productive citizens as well? Like, what are some challenges that you would identify that will be unique to millennials? Okay. Um, <clears throat> not, I, I, I'm not sure if, if there's an order to this uh, from more important than less important, but... Uh, uh, two or three. Uh, the first one is that because because they have a heart for the genuine and the heart for truth, uh, they tend to be uh, very critical and they tend to be mistrusting. Mistrusting. Yeah. Out of out of a desire to to know truth and to know reality. Okay. Uh, so, so they they will look at everything with a critical eye, and um, so that that's that's a challenge. Uh, the other challenge is that, um, <laughs> uh, and it's not so much their fault, but it's more our fault, <laughs> my generation's fault, and it's because of my generation um, we. When we had children, <laughs> we loved our children very much, and somehow we got this this idea that our children were not going to experience and go through what we went through. In other words, you were going to protect them. You were going to be like a shield to your children. Yeah. And then they found out about the real world kind of later in life. Well, we we made it we made it easy for them. Uh, we protected them. Uh, we 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 um, we yeah we shelter them. So easy gave birth to entitlement. Yes, got it. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, that sense in this generation. There's a sense of also entitlement. Um, uh, that that but but then the reality is that it, this the 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 way the economy has turned out to yeah. To be and, and and the culture that it's it's really hard, it's really hard to have what you want, what you feel you're entitled to. Yeah, it's really difficult. So that creates a lot of frustration. Um, Interesting. It creates a lot of frustration because, you know, uh, my generation told our children's generation that you can have it all you I'll give it all I'll fix this for you I'll I'll do this for you and then when when they grew up um it, it's been very hard yeah it's uh for for this generation it, it'll be almost impossible to buy a home one of the things that I've I'm hearing from what you're saying and also I've, I'm identifying is that entitlement kind of with the good motives to help, like basically you wanted to provide for them, care for them, shelter them. And so that kind of gave birth to an entitlement in a sense mentality, which was with, with good motives. I mean, the intention is to love and to care for your children, to shield them. And so I think that what becomes a challenge is that entitlement wars against endurance and sometimes because things have been easy, when they become hard, 
people can can be prone yes. to think maybe this is not God or maybe this is the devil, and it's actually just the, the re- reality is that life is hard. And so uh, I think that we as a generation have to be careful that we don't allow an entitlement mentality to infect the idea that we need to endure and there needs to be endurance so that we fulfill. And, you know, the Bible says you will reap if you don't faint. And so I I think that, um, you know, when when kids are are loved and cared for, part of the danger on that and on the the other end of that is that things are too easy. Yes. They feel entitled. And they don't know the real endurance it takes to just get what you want in life, as yes. you said, a house and, and, and things of that yep. nature. So I, I think that that's very, yep. very real. And then the last, the last, uh, the last uh, one it would be a because of that. I see like a a, a lack of discipline, um, a lack of discipline. <laughs> Um, and by that I mean um, just uh, just uh, getting up at a certain time of the day, um, achieving certain things during the day, um, because of the because of the um, the mentality today, you know, uh, we were taught to more to be more structured. Um, uh, to, for example, uh, I we were taught to that our first, a second, a third job were going to be like lousy jobs, but you had to work yourself into, yeah, into something better. And so we started, you know, um, we started cleaning and we started um, working in a factory and we started, you know, working from four to twelve. <laughs> we, we, I did, I did, yeah. And uh, and but that was part of the of the mentality. Listen, this is why you start. And yeah, uh, today you know sometimes because of the entitlement mentality, uh, you know, the young millennials don't want to do that. They just want to start like you know yeah. here entitlement wars against faithfulness, and faithfulness is what leads to increase. So. You know, let's say you know you're hungry for truth, you're thirsting for truth, you you desire uh, a greater reality. But if you don't have the endurance and the faithfulness to see it through, then the very thing that you're hungry for, you're not going to ever taste. And then you 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 pray about it, sing about it, prophesy about it, and dream about it. But it's not your reality. And it takes faithfulness and endurance to bring about those things that God promised that look impossible now. But as we progressively move forward in obedience and faithfulness and endurance and perseverance and diligence, all those old school words, uh, those are the only things that you can really build on. You run the race. This is a race. And uh, it's a marathon. Uh, And you run the race with patience. And the word patience is the word constant, constant. Uh, When a thermostat is at a constant temperature... Is set, mm-hmm. and it doesn't either. It doesn't go lower or higher. It's constant, yeah. and uh, you know, we saw our parents be constant. Perhaps you know we didn't show that that constancy to our children, and we didn't encourage constancy. But constancy, uh, uh, diligence, is a, is a 
is a characteristic that needs to be developed in this generation. Yeah. There's two interesting uh, yeah. things that the proverb says about diligence that I always find fascinating that the diligent hand maketh rich and the, the diligent sure bear rule. So here you ha- you're talking about both economic and political influence come through diligence. And uh, that's, that's very interesting because the attribute of diligence kind of increases your ability to make choices and do other things. And so I think that that's something um, yep. that's in, in, in really important to know yep. because, for example, someone who commits a crime, they go to jail. Because of a bad choice, they get less choices. Right. Someone who works hard and invests and does well through working hard and being honest and putting in a hard day's work, now he has more choices. He can go more vacation. He can help the poor. He can buy you know, a better house. I mean he has more choices because he made good yep. choices. Yep. And I think we've got to understand that the right choices – uh, not always, but often do lead to uh, more opportunities and more options, especially in the environment of of where we live in America. Well, also in the in the church in the in the in the church world, um, I see this dichotomy because I see this generation uh, as a worshiping generation, worship, and they love to worship. They love to praise. Uh, they love to be in the presence of God, um, and um, and and when you look at it, it's uh, it's great, it's great because you see this generation worshiping and 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 waiting in God's presence. But then you look a little deeper at that. I look a little deeper, and. Um, I see that the, their time that they spend with the Lord and the time that they are in God's presence and worshiping intercession is great, but it's not consistent with the rest of their lives. It's not consistent with the rest of the week. And that tells me a couple of things. <laughs> that tells me that their worship time, their 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 love for the presence of God, it's not it's not producing a transformation, a change. Mm-hmm. And my experience has been that that I have seen um, a whole generation going after quote unquote going after God in worship and in in surrendering. And in the presence. But they're doing it not so much to be in the presence of God. They're doing it because it's therapy. Yeah. It's very therapeutic. Sure. I think you mentioned this in your book, uh, Renew Me. I did? Oh, I don't, I I don't remember. I think so. I think you did. It's very therapeutic. And, and that is a very like self-centered way of, you know, of, 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 of going after God. I'm going after sure. God because I want to feel better. I want sure. going after God because I want a certain benefit in my life. Sure. And and so that kind of experience will not produce character. Yeah. Because to produce character, there, there's got to be more. There's got to be there's got to be an effort to yeah. be in the Word of God. Yes. There's got to be an effort also. Listen, there's got to be an effort in service. In service. Yeah. Um. And so if I want to spend 
uh, you know, time in the presence of God because I want to feel better. But then I don't serve others and I don't, I don't feed myself. I don't feed with the word, then I am not going to see a change in my life and yeah. in my character. Yeah, it's clear that we live in a generation that wants to speak but doesn't want to sweat. Uh, no. They want want to sing, uh, but don't want to serve. And so, I, I think that people, you know, encouraging them to do what is right, like yeah. you're doing, I think is very essential. I know that you've you've called me out on some things, areas of my life that have helped me grow. And, uh, you know, it's important to be able to lovingly tell people the truth and to be able to walk with them through that season of their life. You were instrumental in my life, uh, and you pastored me through three uh, very, very critical decisions that mm. shaped and formed uh, me. So I'm, I'm, as, a, as, a, as a younger man, I look at you, and I'm very uh, grateful to you. And I know that you've spent a lot of time in... Um, what people have called the Argentinian revival, and you've spoken oh. a lot into that prophetically. And, um, you know, when I was telling one of my friends about you in Brazil, uh, he, what, one of the things that he mentioned to me is that there's no grid for a guy like him. Because, you know, when I look at uh, history, um, especially recent history, you made a living uh, preaching the gospel in Latin America, mm. and you're not a dictator or a thief. <laughs> and and so you, you you know you don't have that man of God thing. Um, no. And so you have just a real spirit of of humility and and gentleness. Sometimes people can misperceive that as as weakness or yes. But but it's actually strength. You know, under control. And one of the things that I've learned from you is that through you giving people freedom, um, anything can grow in an environment where there's freedom. Freedom. And if it's not God, it won't. It, it won't. It won't. It won't. It doesn't. And, and and so that's something that I've observed from from you and also uh, Steve too, and um, and so I'm I'm thankful to you guys and so that kind of pulls me into my next question because of the the life experience that you have I mean you've been married longer than I'm alive um, so because of the you've been in ministry 35, 35 yeah you've been in ministry longer yeah. longer yeah. than I've been living so obviously. Um, you know, we could listen to that, right? <laughs> so, so that that brings us to the point. Also, you're very educated. You went to, I believe, Villanova. Yeah, Villanova. Yeah. Um, so you have a a broad perspective and a wide perspective. And so, with that sort of a perspective, what do you think, or what would you warn millennials about? Like, what would you say? Listen. This is just a lie repackaged, or this is a temptation that looks appealing, but but in the end it won't. You know, because in the kingdom of God, there's no shortcuts. So, as someone who's been married, who's faithfully run the race, who's not a dictator or a crook, a man of integrity, what would you say to us young uh, men and women who are wanting to walk faithfully before the Lord in the fear of the Lord? Wanting to honor God with our life. I remember something Pastor Jason Alvarez said to me that he said, Adam, a lot of people serve God, but not a lot of people honor God. And you've been one who've, who has honored God and honoring God is inward. It's not outward only. And so if, if you're talking to those who are desiring not only to serve God, but to honor God, and, and that's really the genuine motive of the heart of, of those, let's say, who are listening, what would you say to them that would be a warning? Yeah. Um, I I would say the same thing that that uh, 
is, is said to us in Scripture. Um, we have a, uh, a cloud of witnesses. You have a cloud of witnesses. You have people that, that have run the race before you. And witnesses means, uh, it's the word evidence. So you have a cloud of people that have given you evidence mm. of how they ran their, their, their race. The race is run, first of all, the, run, the race is run with patience. And <clears throat> that means diligence and constancy. Yeah. Constant. It, it, it did. One of the, the old school things, <laughs> old school, is it doesn't matter how you feel. Yes. <laughs> it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how other people feel about you. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket. You serve God. It's, you know, you don't get depressed. You don't, you don't take a week off. You just do it. You That's just it. do it. You just do it. You just do it. Uh, <clears throat> that, that is constancy. That's how you run the race. Um, and so then you run the race and you run the race by uh, watching out for two things. First, um, you, you watch for weights. Weight, weights. Hmm. And a weight is not sin. It's not the sin that comes a little later. It's weights. And, 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 and it's there first because, because God says, listen, when you run the race, weights are going to be like a, like a real problem. Yes. And a weight is not a sin. A weight is something that, that is just dragging. A burden that's not yours to carry. A burden. I... I think it's a distraction. Ah. It's something that distracts you. Yes. <clears throat> and so... It's, it's I, I just see, you know, I just think of this as bringing it into what? real life. Like, what? I'm looking <clears throat> at my iPhone while I'm trying to run eight miles an hour on the treadmill. <laughs> you know, that's that would be a distraction, and that's a visual of what you're saying. <clears throat> or think put, about, a, put a ball on a chain in your foot. Yeah, think think about marathon runners. The marathon runners uh, have almost nothing on. I yeah. mean, they're 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Their clothing is paper thin. Yes. Super light. Yes. They have nothing. I mean, they're just absolutely you know weights. Yeah. So weights, it, it, it would a weight would be like something, an area in your life that would be a distraction. Whether it would be uh, it would be uh, you know social media, it would be. Friends, it would be that. Yeah, you you take off. Take off means you don't wear that as a piece of clothing. You you don't. That's not your clothing. Okay, and then you you. It's not sin. It's not taking off sin. It's taking off the sin, the sin that easily makes you stumble. And it's because every person struggles with a particular area. Yes. So identify the the area where, mm-hmm. like, where you have a potential. Yeah. To stumble. Identify that, and make it a goal in for the rest of your life that that's going to be your 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 a calling in your life. That. Sin is not going to make me stumble. That's it. 
whether it be money, riches, uh, the opposite sex, uh, uh, whether it be uh, um, you yourself, me, myself, yeah. my own personality, uh, whether it, whatever, with, whether it be a trauma, an offense, uh, mm -hmm. anything. Okay, so that that is the starting point. But then here's the here's the here's the the central point. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's fixing your eyes on Jesus. And why? Because he he he's the author and the finisher of this race. He started it, he finished it, and he already told me how to run it. So like, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to go somewhere, if I'm going to fly somewhere, and I never flew, I never took a, an airplane, I'm going to ask somebody, listen, how, how, how does this work? Yeah. How does it work? And, you know, and they're going to run me through it. And, well, Jesus can tell me. And, and, and right there, he tells me how to do it. He tells me, number one, to, um, to always look for a joy that is always before me. So in whatever situation, whatever, and this is old school, but this is what we learned from our yeah. our parents and grandparents. Priceless. <clears throat> Priceless. That whatever whatever they went through, there was there they were always like there was always a hope. Oh God is gonna work it out. Oh God is going to get the glory. Yeah. That you know, today is like when, when you I know when when sometimes I've I talk to, to, to young people, I, I say something like that, they look at me like, What do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean? Like, and you know, to me, it comes off very easily. Well, God is going to get the glory. Well, God is going to, uh, because you always look, you always know that ahead of you, there's a joy. But this is how Jesus ran the race. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so even if he was on the cross, and, and then it says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So that means that while he was on the cross, he was, yeah, he was anticipating. Us. Like a joy. Yeah. A joy. And the last one is like a real valuable, valuable uh, truth, which is that it's, it, it's looking for the joy, but it's um, looking at, at shame or at embarrassing situations and not giving it. The value and the price mm -hmm. that it thinks it ought to have. Wow. Wow. And, for example, like wow. somebody offends me. Guess what? I give that offense a price, a value. And according to the value and the, the price that I put on it, that will affect me. Or not affect me. Why? Because if you insult me, I decide whether that insult mm. is valuable, expensive, or if it's worth two cents. <laughs> or if it's, it's worth two seconds of my heart. Two mm. seconds. Or if it's worth two weeks. Or ten years. Or ten years. Really? Wow. So... Uh, and, and here's here's you know I see I see young young this young generation they get offended like they get offended they 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 become very offended by this by that and and it's like a real 
<clears throat> a real mark of character to be able to go through uh, um, crises of you know traumas, people offending you, mm. and saying, you know what, that is not gonna like stop me. That is not because I assign. Yeah, I assign. I give it power. You know, and so this is how Jesus ran. This is this is what we were taught. We were taught to be patient, constant. We were taught to uh, be careful with distractions. We were taught to actually be very, very, very mindful of the sin that can can make us stumble. And we were taught to be like really Christ-centered, Christ-centered, because this was a race. This was a long marathon, and that we were to look at Jesus. We were to look at Jesus, and we were we were to run the race like he did. You know, mm. I know that this is like sort of preachy, but it's very practical. No, it's what we need. Yeah, it's what we need. Pastor Christian Allen, in one of our pastors' meetings, posed a great question, um, and the question was. What should fathers and mothers in the faith, how should they be interacting with millennials? And how should we as millennials respond to fathers and mothers in the faith? And so Pastor David is going to speak to how fathers specifically should interact with uh, millennials, those who consider themselves spiritual sons, or even those who are just kind of new into Christianity mm-hmm. and are learning that, yeah, we need to respect, you know, authority and we need to kind of understand how to interact. And and it's clear that we have a difference in perception and worldview. I mean, from the time I was a kid, I grew up with a cell phone in my pocket. So, I mean, my whole existence from the time I was a teenager till now has revolved around something in my pocket. You guys grew up with maybe maybe we'll call you back today, maybe tomorrow, leave a, a message on, on the house phone. And so I'm in a pivotal generation because I, I grew up as a little kid talking on the phone and my mom saying, Get off the phone you know, and, and, and then to now where we touch a, a phone and it, and it communicates with he- with heaven basically and, and we talk into the whole world in a moment. So there's some obvious perceptions and worldviews that are different. So how do we interact with one another in a way that is loving, in a way that is honorable, in a way that is fruitful for the kingdom? Um, okay, well, all right. Uh, by, let, me, let me do it by parts. Um, first, you know, what is the responsibility of our, my generation? My responsibility, our responsibility is to build build um, a build a, a structure build a place build a, um, a build for them okay. whether we have to build buildings whether we have to build houses whether we have to build uh, structures uh, schools uh, whether we have to Build them, but it, we are to build because we're we're leaving, and we need to leave them uh, the the store. Yeah. We have to build. Yeah. So our our uh, uh, responsibility is to build for them. Now we cannot build whatever we think. So our generation has to think ahead and has to be able to discern 
you know, what are we leaving for them? Because we have to give them a running start. And um, so we have to know what we have to do, but we also have to build for them. For example, like, uh, you know, as far as building churches or, or facilities, we can't build for our comfort. We have to build for their comfort. Uh, they, they might not like ch church pews. They might not like ch chairs. They might like, I don't know, couches, sofas. Oh, they might like to sit on the floor. So uh, they might like this type of um, uh, areas. They might like, it, we have to build for them. So it's not building for us any longer now. It's building for them. So we have to take on that responsibility. We have to discern what they are going to need for the next 30, 40 years. Uh, then that takes effort. That takes uh, an unselfish attitude because this is not for us. It's for them. And then that takes spiritual foresight because you have to look into the, into the future and you have to... Um, You can't build a basilica or yeah. a cathedral. Um, you have to build facilities and structures that they will be able to use for the next 34 years. Yeah. Uh, that's my generation. Uh, as far as uh, our goal is to build for them. Mm -hmm. uh, then as far as a, a, a interpersonal, um, as far as interpersonal relationships, build them. So they, they, they survive the, the, the next 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, if, that in, if that means, uh, you know, encourage them to work hard, encourage them to develop certain uh, disciplines in their lives, uh, encourage them to watch how they use money, how they use their time, how they use... Um, resources we have to do that hmm. with as coming from a from a from a parent to a child from a parent to a yeah. a son or a daughter um so and then you know whenever we we need to correct we correct in love and with patience and encourage them to Encouraging them to be godly men and godly women mm. of character, of character. Yeah. In a short, in in a short, uh, in a short little, you know, uh, idea, that would be what I would say to my generation and to the next generation. Now, the next generation, the only thing is that they need to cooperate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to um, understand what we're doing. We're building for them and, and just to partner with us. Yeah. You know, with a grateful heart. Sure. Uh, and just to partner with us, knowing that uh, we're doing it for them. Sure. I think that um, just another practical side of that is is how would you say... Could we manage perceptions? And, and I say that in, in this way. I'll give you an analogy. 
okay, we're, we're sitting in a, um, a soccer stadium. And, you know, I'm with an audio engineer, a pastor, and let's say, you know, a guitar player. And, and, and we're all looking at this, this stadium. And we're sitting, you know, in mid, midfield. And we're looking at, at the stadium. And so the pastor may look and notice, look at all these people that, that need to hear Jesus. And the audio engineer may go, oh, my God, look at those speakers. I mean, those speakers are like, this is crazy. Sure. You know, and so how do we manage looking at the same things? Cool. How do Hold you on, manage? I'll say that. Oh. Looking at the same things but seeing things differently. How, how, do you, how would you, what would you say to your generation of being willing to say, okay, I may not agree with you, but I see what you're saying. Like, because I could speak from my generation on how I, I think that we could try to do better at that. But what would you say to your generation about kind of stepping into the shoes of, of a different generation who see things just very differently? Oh, well, the only, the only way is to communicate. Just you communicate. The goal of communication is not to agree. The goal of communication is to understand each other. So, so you, you, know, you don't have to agree, but you understand the other person. Yes. And then, you know, and then when love is in, in the mix, then love is, um, considers the other person. Yes. You know, consider, considers. And being that, that, that. I'm not going to be around for the next 30, 40, 50 years. You're going to be around, so then I have to consider you. Sure. Yeah, I have to consider you. Sure. And, um, you know, and then I have to go back to my own generation and, and explain to them how the next generation feels, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's incredibly valuable because I think that you could have young people that want to serve God and want to love and honor people and then you have an, an older generation that, that wants to help, like wants to leave an inheritance, wants to bless the next generation. And I think it becomes sticky when we talk about how life really gets played out. And I think in church, a lot of this comes down to perception. I mean, yes, there's going to be uh, people who embrace false doctrine. But when we're talking about those that are sincerely pursuing the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the truth of God's word... Those are not really the issues that generation to generation are fighting about, at least as it relates to the sincere. What we, what we obviously, you know, what what there's a lot of sometimes disunity or or fighting about is things that are a matter of perception. Sure. Um, things that are a matter well, of practice. Th- then there's no commu- there's no communication there. There's no communication. Yeah. There's no no understanding each other because when you understand, there's. The perception is correct. Yeah, and and I think that um, okay. Let's talk Twitter for for example. Twitter gives you 140 characters. So the the negative side of that is you know you blurb out something that really needs two paragraphs or two pages to explain why you're saying what you're saying and what it, what you're not saying. So there's there's this negative side that you know you just have this one liner. And, and it could be a loaded statement and people could not really understand what's being presented. That's the negative side to something like Twitter. But a positive side to that is people are learning how to communicate more 
um, concise and, and say what they're really saying. And I think, as you recognized before, our generation is not really wanting to know what you're saying. We're wanting to know what you're really saying. And I think once we know that you, you guys love us and once we feel safe and, and we feel that there's trust, we're pretty much willing. I mean, I speak on my behalf to say I'm willing to hear whatever you want to say. I know that you said to me very challenging things that are very personal that really affected me but in a good way and and as long as there's love and trust there and honor then then we recognize that person as someone who's safe and and at least we're considering you know what they're saying even if we don't agree i mean just because if you could tell me the room is pink and i know the room isn't pink but just because you 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 considered it and you said it I, i'm going to consider it i may take a chip off the wall and take it to sherwin williams and they're saying hey man that's not pink but and i use that analogy because it's so important to actually listen to people even if you don't agree with them to at least consider what they're saying especially as it relates to fathers or speaking to sons and and I and, and 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 I think that's a really really critical thing that that young people have to be not emotional about what is being said to them but they have to just kind of press pause on the emotional aspect of it and say is what is being spoken to me the truth and is it really here to help me grow instead of just saying oh you're against me or you don't love me or making up some sort of an excuse to not listen to you know what really is being said well if there's a relationship there yeah you know there's communication um yeah that that attitude will not be there correct yeah so how would you how would we begin to approach um these relationships that that people desire and but we're sometimes we're, we're kind of like should it be sons pursuing fathers should it be fathers pursuing sons both both yeah i think that's great and and give me both. just i i think i could lay out one i think that um kind of verbalizing the expectations of the relationship i think that really helps cuz cuz maybe people have expectations that are unrealistic and that leads to disappointment or like how what would you say to that whole thing of like the expectations in the relationship or just how do you begin to to start that like how would that work like i let's say i want to connect with you and i just see something great in your life like you're a great teacher of the word you're just a man of integrity you walk through the crowd slowly i just make some observations about you you know, how would I pursue as a son, a father, like what would be appropriate to say? Like, hey, I see, you know, the grace of God on your life. I want to I wanna grow. Can you help me? Like our generation has to be humble enough to ask for help. I think that's, 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 I think that's really important. And I'm speaking to my generation. But what would you say to your generation about pursuing? My, my, oh, my yeah. generation. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, first of all, the... Uh, you have to have in you the start you have to have in you like a heart for that because yeah. again if your your heart is not into it they'll spot you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they'll spot you yeah. so you have to have like a heart you know like a, like there's got to be something in your heart that will that will be seen in your eyes and your face and your whole attitude uh, if, if that is not there uh, you know, you can yeah. 
It's not effective. So that it, it's a hard thing. And then um, go where they are. In other words, uh, just go meet, go greet, go say hello, make a connection, make a connection. And so sort of, uh, yeah, in that connection, let let them know that you're there. Yeah. You're there, and this is who you are, and that you know them, and you, you, you're there for their, for their benefit. Now, then you have to wait for the other generation to respond. Yeah. And, and you did this. And one of the things I remember, I was so shocked. I remember one day, maybe three or four years ago, you let me use Kingsgate to do some We See Jesus Ministries event. And there was like 15 people here. Oh. And you were in the back helping me with PowerPoint, and I was shocked. Why? I was shocked, and I said, you know, I want to be like that when I grow up. <laughs> Just because um, you showed that you cared, and, I mean, you were there, and I don't even know if I wanted to be there. <laughs> you know, it just really leaves, like, these type of things. I, I just would like to say as a younger uh, man and as, like, a son to you, I think that it really means a lot to our generation when you guys show a genuine interest in us. And I think that we have to be honest about our need, you know, for for lack of a better word, seniority in our life for people who have experience, who have wisdom. That's good. Um, I think that that's something that uh, we need. I remember one time the Lord said to me that if you want to cut your problems in half, hang out with people who are twice your age. And uh, and I just said, you know what, let me go after some guys with some grays and stuff and, and I could learn from them. And so, you know, I, I really appreciate your time. I, um, I, th- thank, I thank you uh, for that. And I just have one last short question. Sure. If someone were to listen to this podcast 100 years from now, 100 years from now, years from 100, I'm dead. Uh, 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 alive to God you're gone (laughs) dead and alive to God and we are no you and I are no longer on this planet a young guy 22 years old hungry for God 100 years from now it's like iPad 103 is out what would you say? the same thing Uh, I would say that Jesus Christ is supreme over all things and that um Following Jesus and being a, a true disciple of Jesus um, will uh, not only give you eternal life, but it will um, it will make you the person that God intended you to be. And uh, there's no other shortcuts. There's no other way. He's the only way. That, that that's us. That that will never change. That was true 2,000 years ago, and that will be true 2,000 years from now.